So here is the big question. How do entrepreneurs like us, who started sales or direct selling or network marketing, how did we start our journey but now feel stuck, feel like we're struggling or we can't level up to where we want to be, where we know we can be? How do we break through and prove everybody wrong? Everybody wrong. Show ourselves that we are successful and show ourselves that we can win. That is the big question. And this is the podcast that will give you the answers. My name is Lisa Hawker, and this is Direct AF Sales. Good morning, and what is up? Today is International Women's Day. Did you know that? I did not know that, but thank you for sharing. (laughs) (laughs) There is a national day for all fuck now, isn't there? I mean, it is like... National, you know, find shit in your belly button day. I swear to God. That is hilarious. That is hilarious. But at least we've got a day, I guess. We need like a month. (laughs) I need a year. (laughs) We should have a year. We should have a year. Then it would just be every year, right? International Women's Day. This is a perfect day for us to be together, I feel like, because it was meant to be. This is Happy Tag Tuesday as well, which is... I get to see you and participate with you and hear you double the fun today because we recorded the podcast with my co-host Ann Owens and I for Two Average Girls a few weeks ago, and that's airing today. And I listened to it and it's phenomenal. It was really fun to come into your studio, but we're going to get to all the things. First, let me introduce you to the audience. You guys, this is my good friend, Denise Cooper. She... You know, the way I was introduced to her was kind of interesting. It was actually through her daughter. um, And she has become, first she became a customer and now she's a friend. And that's what um, being involved in network marketing does. It makes, it really makes your customers, your friends and expands your network and you get to have so much fun. So Denise, the reason I'm having you on the show is not because, not just because you're a fabulous human being and a good friend. And funny as all fuck, um, but because <laughs> because you're a female entrepreneur, and this is a show where we get real, we get raw, we talk about all of the things that um, made us want to become entrepreneurs, the struggles that we face, and you walk the walk. You definitely walk the walk. You've not only raised three um, beautiful kids, um, but you have been a female entrepreneur for 30 years. Is that right? Yes. And I feel like I, it's like 30 years is a lifetime. And also it is a blink of an eye, like almost everything else, but owning your own business and being so in the trenches for 30 years is like in dog years, right? Like it's like a lifetime. It's so long, but then it seems like it's flown by. And when you say 30 years, it's kind of I I reflected back before we got on today because I wanted to really kind of reevaluate what it was that got me to where I'm at today. And because we're all involved with our lives so intimately, obviously, because it's our life we're living, but we're doing these things and we're going through the motions and all of a sudden now it's three years from now, right? Or it's 10 years from now. And it just happened that you got there. And if you're not intentional about some of the things that you're, you're doing, 
it can just take you in all directions. And so I started thinking about it. And the funniest part of all of that is my intention of being an entrepreneur, that was never my intention. I never, I never, I wasn't growing up thinking, I need to be an entrepreneur. I need to own my own business. As a matter of fact, I, I went to college to, I was in a behavioral science major, right? Like everybody, every other young woman, if you, I, I first originally was going to teach school. Like I loved kids so much, I was going to teach school. And then I went and I did my first psychology class and I thought, oh crap, I'm really screwed up. My family screwed up. I think I need to like really investigate this. And so I went into that avenue and I loved it. And, you know, my dad wanted me to be a CPA because that's where the money was. And I would rather poke myself in the eye with a sharp stick than do something <laughs> like that. That was not who I am. And I knew it. Um, so I, I really wanted to go into counseling. So I, I took the sociology road, route and I was going to kind of save the world, you know, maybe be a counselor in the schools, possibly a mar- be a marriage and family counselor. I wasn't sure. Um, and then I met a guy. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> All good stories start with and end with, I met a man. <laughs> I met a man who uh, really, honestly, that's the trajectory I went in that direction. He was in the construction industry. And um, long story short, he ended up buying a backhoe, which is a big piece of equipment that digs holes or dirt moves dirt. And um, we got married and we started a backhoe business. And we started out with one backhoe, him running the backhoe and getting a contractor's license, an A contractor's license here in California. And we got five backhoes eventually. And I was running this, you know, equipment rental business from my home with three kids, nursing a baby, taking on, you know, taking it, this is back in the day when we didn't have internet back in the day when people used a phone with dials and everything. And they would call my house and ask for a backhoe to be sent out to a, something. And I'd write it on triplicate, you know, like this was, this was early on in the old, um, business. They still sense. had like the yellow pages and the white oh, pages. Do you remember I mean, my, like we used to get oh, an updated yearly phone book? It weighed like four pounds or five pounds. Right. And it, right. You used a map, like you had Thomas guide, <laughs> right? Like if you were trying to find where you were going, my husband would have to map it out and we would have to look on the Thomas guide and you'd have yeah. 10 Thomas guides for everywhere in, in, in California that you might be sent to. And, and it was never updated because they were changing things. And it was just, I mean, and my husband, just, just for the listeners who might be, you know, of our age, they'll reminisce with this, but for those who weren't, we didn't have cell phones. And he was one of the first people to have a mobile phone. And the mobile phone was the size of a suitcase, a small suitcase, literally. And it was, it weighed, you know, 30 pounds and you would carry it everywhere. And it had this big antenna and this huge clunky earpiece thing. And to be honest, we thought we were like part of the Jetsons, right? Because I could talk to him on his backhoe and I could, I could actually say, Hey, you got another order such and such. So we've, we moved that out of, from our, our home. We were always in our home for the first, you know, 10, 12 years of our 
existence, we went from a heavy equipment rental business because we had backhoes and dump trucks to a contracting business. And um, to really what our, our company is now, we have been working on the highway system, the freeway system in California for the last 30 years. And right now and for the last 20 years, we've been doing concrete barrier that goes down the middle of the freeway and concrete paving for highways, airports, you name it, we pave it. Sidewalks, we'll do curb and gutter. It just, it's its kind of changed. Um, we've had to change our business model over the years, obviously, just to to uh, fit what's going on in, in with the current stream of things. And this was not the life that you planned for yourself, right? So you went to school, you studied what was really fascinating and interesting to you. And then um, you met a man, <laughs> got yep. married. And I want to talk about how it felt to you in the early years when you're running a business, you didn't go to school, you had to learn as you earned. There was no textbook to show you how to run a business, how to market, um, how to do any of the things that you learned. So what was that like in the early years? How did you feel as you were sort of becoming a mother and becoming an entrepreneur and helping your husband do this whole thing, right? This was sort of his dream. It was his dream. And I don't even know if it was his dream. I think it was also for him, he kind of fell into it. But we had to learn as we went because neither one of us, he was an engineering major and I was a sociology major. And none of those, I actually got a minor in business, which really actually probably saved me because I had some experience doing the books. But the early years, and even to be honest with you, when you, when you talk about it, it seems like no matter what stage of the entrepreneurial stage I'm in, it seems like it's new, right? And that's one of the beauties and one of the downfalls of being in business for yourself, I feel like, is that you take on everything that's going on and you have to pivot, which I hate that word because it's We hate that word. It's like I moist. Do, but it is. It's kind of like the, the, the word of the day, but you really have to change the trajectory of where you're going depending on literally even what's going on in your own family, right? It, it could be an, an illness. It could be some major financial issues that you're experiencing. It could be the economy. It could be politics. It's legislation. It is so many things that you don't have control over that when at the very beginning, as a young 20-something-year-old mother, I was overwhelmed. I was over my head. I had a, we were in our, uh, our first house and we had converted our dining room into our living, our, our office space. And I bought a full desk. I thought if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. I spent a lot of money on a desk, a big, huge computer screen, you know, I doing all the things that I'm supposed to do. And yet I still couldn't manage the, what it took. And part of it was, it was in my home. And I know that a lot of people are working from home now, and that seems to be the new thing, right? It's going to be the thing we're going to do now because everybody can work remotely. 
it is a catch 22 with that because when it's in your home and you know, because you, with, with what you guys do as direct sales, you have to figure out a way of balancing and it's very difficult. The whole and journey so I, is difficult. The whole journey it, of, it is. Of, yeah. So why was it difficult for you in those early years to work out of your home? What was that like? I think with the kids, it was very difficult. I also didn't understand that I needed to prioritize and really figure out what I wanted to do. Now I carry around a book, right? A full focus planner everywhere I go. I used to write notes to myself. Um, Things have gotten a little bit easier because of all the technology we have. And we have so many people in our lives that can really steer us and guide us in the right directions. I listen to podcasts all day long. Um, I love listening to your podcast, partly because even though I'm not in the direct sales business, it keeps me focused on what is important, right? It keeps me motivated to keep going because this is a marathon. Owning your own business is a marathon. It is not a sprint. And I think part of what I was going to tell you is in my office when I first started, I had a, a picture that said, it was a a little saying that was framed and it said, the only thing more overrated than natural childbirth is owning your own business. (laughs) That's a right. That is something I'm going to need. I know. In my office. I love that. I I literally, I literally would look at it and because everyone would be like, you're so lucky you own your own business. You can make your own hours. Right. And there's so many good things about being in charge of yourself. And yet there are so many challenges that can really not be good for us as human beings. You have to be focused. That's one of the reasons I love your dice. The Mm. idea of your dice, when I thought this is genius because this really makes you just take it very, very simply to do something special, right? Do something every day that's going to put you in a place where you know it's going to move you forward. I didn't have that growing up. I did yeah. not have that. Um, my parents did own their own business. I think that's one of the reasons it didn't scare me. I've never been afraid to be an entrepreneur. I've never been afraid to take the risk of betting on myself. Why do you think that is? I think because I saw firsthand my parents, they weren't. they were successful. They weren't by any means wealthy, but they were able to run their own business and make it happen. It gave me the permission to say it's possible. And I think when somebody says to you, you know, you can't do something or you shouldn't do something, it even makes it more. I think I had something to prove also, you know, probably to my family that we could do this. I didn't know anything about construction. I didn't know anything. I didn't know the difference between a backhoe and a anything, a loader or any, you know, anything. It didn't, it never occurred to me to, to know those things. And that didn't matter. What mattered was that I had, I had the heart and soul to go for it. The drive. The drive. Yeah. I, I have a good work ethic that was instilled in me early. My, my family, my father is hard, hard, hard worker and always has been. And that was the example and I know we've talked about your your father also being a great example to, of that to you. And I think that helps a lot of us know that it's possible. 
So what would you say to someone in the audience listening who didn't have a father or a mother, like, you know, to set that example to that you could, who didn't have someone in their lives as they were growing up, that they were watching, that they wanted to emulate, that they wanted to be like, that they had this model behavior, right? And um, they didn't have the experience of necessarily like thinking, okay, this is something I can do, or, you know, they do have fear about becoming an entrepreneur, about following, you know, their dream or whatever it is. What would you say to that person um, to help them along in their own journey? If that question made any sense. (laughs) It did. It did. It made a lot of sense. I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer. I think having a mentor in your life is really important. Where do you find that mentor? That is really also difficult. I know that in your in your line of work, that that is like built in, which I think is one of the beautiful things about direct sales. You have somebody around you. You'll have a, so many people around you. It's like a family that can really help you and teach you. And I know you are an excellent example and teacher to those who are, are under you. So I think finding a finding a mentor. And not being afraid to ask for help. I think that's the other thing. I think a lot of times everyone thinks that you should know everything. And you can't. So so reach out to those who do know. And don't be afraid not to do everything. Listen, I I don't balance my checkbook. I don't right? either. Like, I never have. I, I never have I'm, either. <laughs> that's funny, huh? I know, and yeah. I, I still value, I've always valued money. I have always, I guess, been in, I I knew early on, I was doing the books for a while, but I knew early on that if I wanted them done correctly, because I don't balance my checkbook because if it's 10 cents, you know, either way, I don't care. Like, I'm like, oh, it's 10 cents. That's only 10 cents. You know, if it's $100, oh, I'll find it somewhere, right? Like, I was not in that mindset to go deep down in that. Fast math was always something I was good at. And this again is why... This again is why it was a good thing you didn't listen to your dad, but he wanted you to be a CPA because that kind of like 10 cent thing matters when you're a CPA, right? <laughs> exactly. I knew I knew early on that that wasn't who I was. I had right. I, I, I've got the personality. I've got I've got too much energy to be sitting behind a desk all day. So I literally knew that wasn't going to work for me. But that being said, I hired people around me to do the things that I couldn't do. You know, I think as women, especially, there's a lot of times that we feel like we are supposed to do everything. And we've been sold the bill of goods that you can do it all and you can have it all. I'm here to tell you, at least in my experience, I can't have it all right now. You can have it all sometimes, but not all at the same time. And I, I just learned I was okay to have someone come in and clean my home. I mean, I was working from home. I had to get someone to help me with my kids. They were yelling and screaming in the background. I needed someone to take my kids for a walk or help me. I felt blessed because I was at home with them. I felt really great that I had a business that I could run and still be a mom full time for the most part. I mean, I was with them at all times and I could be flexible enough in my, in scheduling that I could pick them up from school, take them to school, 
be at the most important things that they needed me at. So I think that's part of the drive for me was I have to make this work because now I'm too far in four, five, six years into this. We are not, we don't have a plan B. Plan B isn't going to be working for somebody else. Although there were times when things were lean, when things were tough that I thought, well, if my husband just went to work for somebody, I could just go and do something on my own as well. And I could be working for somebody else and let them take all the stress and problems and deal with them. Because as you know, we all, as business owners, you go to sleep and you're thinking about the problems. That's right. And you wake up and the problems are still there because you're the one that has to fix them. Yeah. So there, there's a lot of, there's a lot to be said about working for somebody else. And I think that I realized early on that, that I outweighed, I, I took the, the good and the bad and I said, the bad definitely doesn't outweigh the good for owning my own business and being an entrepreneur. So I'm sticking and, with it. Yeah. This. And the thing is, is that not everybody is cut out to be a, you know, an entrepreneur, not everybody understands that, um, you know, how really hard it can be to, to manage your time, to manage your emotions, to keep your mental state in a place that's positive. Um, the roller coasters of the ups and the downs and the problems coming at you and the ability to, to bounce back and be resilient. Um, when you first started, in your business with your husband 30 years ago, um, he was sort of doing the main heavy lifting, so to speak. About 10 years in, you took over. Is that, am I stating um, that right? Well, I, we've been in business for about 30 years and about seven, about seven years ago, I became 100% okay. owner. Um, you know, I, I was a little bit, when the kids were little, I was all in. When the kids and we started hiring more people to help us, and and that's the other thing you've got to get people around you, like I said, to really help you do the things you can't do yourself. Um, I knew that if I wanted to be a mom and if I wanted to be a good wife, we were struggling in our relationship to work together because he his style of of management is so different than my style. His way of communicating is so different than my way of communicating. What he was experiencing was he'd be out in the field and he'd be building these great things and he'd be working with people that were was giving him all this positive reinforcement because, oh, you're doing so great. This is so awesome. And the 50% 50, 50 owner in the background was listening to people asking for money, complaining that... I didn't have paperwork correct, complaining, you know, I was getting the negative portion of the business and he was getting the positive and it was really hard for me to stay all in. So for about seven or eight years, I raised the kids and I was part-time in the business. And however, I was full-time taking on the stress of the business. So it was this weird place that I didn't feel like I really belonged because I wasn't all in physically, but mentally and emotionally I was because I was right. supporting him and I was, it was my livelihood. And so about seven years ago, I realized the kids were raised, they were on their own. And I realized, what am I going to do with my time? Am I going to, am I going to 
dedicate more time to Cooper Engineering? Or am I going to start something new? Do I want to do something else? The reality was I wanted to do something else. And I had gone back to school during the time that I was kind of in this in-between stage, and I wanted to be a designer. I wanted to be an interior designer. So I went to school to do that, and I realized that I loved it, but I also realized that it would take a lot of time, effort, and money that I probably wasn't really willing to give. And I, 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 I had somebody tell me, Focus on the things that are making you money, right? Like right. a lot of us get into a place where we kind of dilute what we're doing and think, okay, we're going to do this, this, and this, and this is going to make a lot of money. You and I have talked about this a little bit. We have, yeah. Because when you're in the, in the thick of trying to get your brand out there, trying to do this, we all kind of diversify ourselves. If that's taking away from the main focus, usually you pay a price. And it usually is in the form of you're not making as much money as you need to, right? Or you didn't right. reach the goal that you were trying to reach. So I, I learned, I, I realized early on that if I wanted to pursue this goal and this dream, that I would have to sacrifice a lot. And I wasn't sure if I was willing to do that. And the reality was I wasn't. And so my husband and I had a conversation and we agreed that I would not be 50% owner any longer, that I would be 100% owner. What that did for me mentally, emotionally was something completely, it, 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 it made a switch in, in me. It made a switch in our relationship as well. Not that I needed to be in charge, but I needed to make sure that my voice was being heard and I felt like before, because he was physically and emotionally and mentally in it, and I was just kind of mentally and emotionally in it, that I wasn't really in it. So when I, when I got the ownership portion of it, I rededicated myself to the, to the program, basically. Well, you were anchored. I feel like this is such an important lesson right here for people in network marketing who sort of work their business and then withdraw and then work it again a little bit, and then withdraw. And you have to burn the fucking boat. You really do. You have to make a decision. And what I mean by that is like, am I going to devote and dedicate all in to this business? And you were kind of like, you know, touching your, you know, touching the business a little here touching the business a little there, but then going to, you know, school for interior design right. and am I going to, right? So you weren't fully committed. You weren't fully. I wasn't all uh, in. You weren't all in. And it wasn't until you had the decision to put it on paper as a hundred percent owner that sort of probably, I'm assuming that it switched your mindset because there was no out. You're a hundred percent owner. You're that sort of it. forced yourself to, to my, make that mental switch. My name was on it. Not that it wasn't before, but I, I was the person in the office that was literally, if someone would ask me my title, I would just say, I'm a worker bee. Like I would not have any, I did not want anybody. They'd make a phone call and they'd be like, can we talk to the owner? I'd be like, not me, right? Not me. So I literally 
we changed, we changed the trajectory of our relationship. We changed the trajectory of what we were doing. It was almost like we rededicated ourselves to a different, to the same program, but with a different outcome. I, I went back to school in not, it's not real. it was school. I, I decided I was going to go and get an MBA because I'm like, how am I going to lead when I'm, I don't really know what I'm leading. I don't, I don't know what the, the right terms are. And I was trying to look it up on the internet. I was taking self-help classes. I was doing all these things. I, I uh, applied for, uh, for a program at UCI. It was a, it was a program for, um, where you could go at night and you could still be working because it was for working professionals. I got accepted and my mother-in-law, um, found out she had brain cancer. Mm. And so I knew that if I was to move forward with that, that I couldn't give 100% to this program. So I contacted them and said, in the middle of the application process, said, hold off. I don't know what I want to do. About a year later, um, maybe eight months later, I was flying home from Sacramento for a business meeting. And I was with somebody who was also a a woman-owned business. And she told me about a program called um, Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of that that's listening, but it is one of those kind of really, um, it's an amazing program. And basically what it does is is a 16-week program. If you get accepted to it, you have to be a small business. You have to have about five criteria um, I'm not sure exactly what those are anymore, but you have to have this criteria to get in. And the criteria basically is just saying that you are a small business that needs help. And I was a small business that needed help. And the 16 weeks is intense. It's basically taking a lot of what the MBA programs teach you, but on a real life basis, really what you need to learn. So Every week there'd be a different concept, so you go through about sixteen concepts, and at the end of the at the end of your sixteen weeks, you're writing a new business plan for yourself, and it really introduced me because we were kind of a mom and pop shop, and I think that's the other thing that when you're a, a business owner, the lines get blurred a lot between what is being professional and what is running it out of your home or running it out of you know, a, a trailer, wherever you're at, um, right. you have to, I think you personally need to get into the mindset of thinking bigger, thinking bigger than you are actually that you, who you actually are. And I mean that by saying, I would hear thing people talk about the culture in their business. And I was thinking, well, we only have like four or five people in my office and they're all related to me. So the culture, <laughs> you know, the culture, how could, you know, they're calling me mom or, you know, they're right. calling me babe or it's my sister-in-law. And, and what I, what I didn't tell you is in our, in my business, literally about 10 or 12 people that work in our business are related to me some way. Right. And then the other workers are all related to each other. It's this very, <laughs> you know, they find out it's a good place to work and they all come. So that's awesome. But when I, when people would talk about culture or your mission statement or your vision, I would be like, I'm a small business that's being run by a family. Like I don't need those things. I was so far from, that was so far from the truth. 
I think even when you are one person with one product, you need to have a mission, vision, and value statement for yourself. Um, 10,000 Small Businesses helped me understand what that looked like, helped me understand who I was as a business owner, what my strengths were, some of the things that I needed to work on. And when I really took a deep dive into who I was and what I was looking to do, um, it changed. It changed the trajectory. Um, so I, I would say if anybody's looking for a program and, and you can do the 10,000 small businesses in your area, please look into it. It is an amazing program. And it really, I think, has changed. Well, I can tell you this. I, we have... In the three or four years since I've done the program, we have incrementally grown to a place that's significant as far as our revenues. And I don't think it's by chance. Um, the culture in my office has changed. I rewrote the business plan. And as a matter of fact, I rewrite the business plan almost every year, which is another thing that I think helps you focus. And And it doesn't even have to personally on that level be this huge, dramatic document. It doesn't. It, it can be a paragraph, a short paragraph. Yeah. It can be a sentence. It could I mean, be a it sentence, literally right? Literally can be a sentence that you a mantra that you say to yourself every day. Um, and it can be a working document. Your mission statement can be a working document. I think I heard that Google for a time would have it change, you know, every so often because they were changing as a co as a corporation. I, I think that that's really more realistic for all of us as business owners. I agree. And I didn't realize any of this stuff that you're talking about. When I first started in network marketing, um, we I didn't do any of this stuff. It wasn't until um, I started Direct AF Sales, which is a company that I do in addition to the Rodan and Fields network marketing um, that I started last year. And I had to hire help. I had to hire, a, I hired a company called SB Pace and um, they helped me learn all of those basic things that I didn't learn when I was getting a law degree, right? Or in college um, that you didn't learn in college. And, um, you know, I'm one person, that's it. But did I need a mission statement? Did I need to identify my core values? I just read a book. I'm trying to look for the name of it as I'm talking with you. I can't remember the name of it, but it's it. I'll find it or I'll put it in the show notes. But in it, he, the, the author talks about your zone of genius, mm. working in your zone of genius, working in your zone of competence and working in your zone of incompetence. Now, clearly balancing our checkbooks are our zone of incompetence. Okay, we don't we don't need to know it. We don't want to know it. It's not where we want to spend our time. There's 24 hours in a day. Every year is going by faster. And so, you know, how much time do you really want to waste doing the shit that you don't really enjoy or that you don't want to do? Okay. Right. I don't want to work in my zone of incompetence. It's a waste of my time. It's a waste of my talent. And, um, it doesn't bring me any, it doesn't spark any joy <laughs> right. for either one of us. Working in our zone of competence is where I was when I was practicing law. And sometimes I'd slip into a zone of genius. 
um, which is where your energy is flowing and it, it doesn't feel like work. It feels like pleasure. It feels, um, it's blissful. It's like a working in a state of bliss. Okay. It sounds to me like once you went through this program and once you started to implement it, and once you went all in and you were a hundred percent owner, you move from your zone of competence well into your zone of genius. Now it's not a state of flow that you're in every minute of every day, right? but when the hours are passing by and you don't realize it, and you are actually enjoying the four letter word called work, right? Right. That's when you're in your zone of genius. Do you, do you, can you think of, of what those things are for you? Do you, do you know what that is for you? My zone of genius? Yeah. I think when you're talking about that, I think it's important to realize that when you're talking about a zone of incompetence, I think one of my problems was for a long time, I didn't feel confident in what I was doing. Right. I, because I was a sociology major. What do I know about running a construction business? I felt almost like an imposter. Right. I felt like this person who didn't deserve it or didn't have the ability to meet the challenge. And I, I have to say this, and it is taking me doing this class, working with an executive coach, having my family, my two sons came to work for us in the last five to seven years, giving us this connection of almost like this powerhouse group. We call ourselves the core four, but we really have each other's back. And having those, that set of confidences and kind of both making me better and making me feel better about who I was really changed the trajectory of me going from a place of incompetence to a place of confident, confidence and competence and then to a place of genius. The, the word genius, when you said that, the first thing I think of is not me. I'm, I'm just <laughs> trying to get by every day. And I think that's probably when we say those words, we think that we have to be at this level of, I am, you know, I'm all that. I think that we have to believe that ourselves. And I do believe that I am so much better than I used to be at all of the things that I'm doing. I don't know if there's one thing that I can say that got me there, but I can say this. I did realize the things that we just talked about that I wasn't good at. And I taught myself to be better in a lot of those areas. For example, I'm not great at, I don't, I don't balance my books. I have a county manager that does that. I have people who are doing all the, the accounts for me because there's, there's, there's a lot of it going on, but I do know how to read my financials, right? So I've right. learned, I've taken, uh, I've taken a step out of what I'm doing, but I have my hands and pulse on everything. I'm looking at the mail daily. I'm, you know, I'm at least not every, every single day now, but I used to open the mail every single day. That was one of my things because I could have my hands on exactly what was going on. I look at my check balance, the balance in all my accounts weekly. I know who's got access to that. I know where, where my money is and I know how much I have. I know what's receivables and I know what's my income. That was a super important part of the journey for me because a lot of times I wouldn't pay attention to that because I was scared. 
Right. Oh my gosh. You just hit on something massive, massive. We avoid what we are scared of, right? Right. Especially we really do. In our business for ourselves. And we know we might not be doing as well as we should be, or we have people calling about, you know, bills that need to be paid. The last thing you want to do is see how much in the rears you are in your checkbook, right? You or want to you avoid want, it, right? You want yeah. to avoid it. I mean, even figuring out your credit cards, right? Like those are the things that are the hard part because most of the time it's easy if you had money, it's hard when you don't. So I think we avoid those things. And one of the things that I've read that's helped me immensely is do the things that you, that are hard first. <laughs> and so that's kind of my mantra. I, I try to do the things that I don't want to do first thing in the morning. I don't always do it. I have to make myself. I take my, my binder every day and I, the night before I look at what my next day is going to be so that I'm not focusing it on it in my sleep or I'm not trying to recreate it when I'm going to trying to wind down for the day. I put it away and I wake up. The first thing I'll do is I get out of bed and I look at my binder to say, what is my day going to bring me? What are some of the intentional things I have to get done? The first three big things in my life that I have to get done and I do them. And I, I think it really helps. But like you said, we, we avoid the things that we we're afraid of or that we don't. It's feel natural. Good it's natural. We, we seek out comfort first. That's right. Because it, it but the truth of it, you know, the truth of it is that um, tackling and facing head on the thing that fears you or it gives you the most fear, the thing that scares you the most, the pain of avoiding it is so much greater than the, than the discomfort of facing it, tackling it, overcoming it. And then you get that nice bit of confidence, right? You get the feeling of that you're powerful that you can tackle something, that you can face something that you don't want to do or that you're afraid of. And every time you do that, your confidence grows, right? Right. Your feelings, right? Your feeling of confidence, competence, and um, achievement grows. So I do believe that the pain of avoiding it is far greater than the momentary discomfort of just facing it and, and being accountable. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think, I think stating your purpose, um, when you were on our podcast, you talked about your why or what did. So what? I talk about, so I, when I first started in network marketing, um, and that was the only experience in entrepreneurship that I had really, uh, I taught, I was taught that, um, you need to identify your why, why are you doing this? Why did you start this business? And, a lot of times I would hear in the very beginning that your why should make you cry, which I thought was just a bunch of bullshit. Like, why would I need to sit down and cry <laughs> in order to feel motivated to make a phone call to talk to somebody about quality skincare? Like that does, I don't want to sit and cry. That's not me. Right. So what does that mean? So, you know, my why was, um, I want more time freedom. You know, I want, I want more time. I want to take fewer cases, right? Well, what happens when you achieve that? What does your why become? And I started to think about, well, maybe I should focus on my what, not why I'm doing this, but what do I want? Yeah. I, what do I, I want to that. achieve? I love that. I love that part of it. Um, early on, when, when you were saying, what is your what? 
um, when we were really struggling. And, and as, as an entrepreneur, you go through these ebbs and flows of working with good people and working with people who don't pay you. <laughs> you know, like you have these things where you are at the mercy of some people. You can make it so that you are less at the mercy of people. And I've learned how to do that. But for a long time, we were struggling with just being at the mercy of, we're a subcontractor. And so a lot of times general contractors just didn't pay us or they would treat right. us in a way. And I, we had to get to a place where we changed our business model so that, that we were more in control of that. And, and we learned how to work through that instead of blaming others. But I forgot what I was going to say. You were talking. <laughs> that's okay. I do that all the time. I, um, I think you were talking about your what. Okay. I think you were going to start to talk about your what. So we, we went through this time and phase in our business when we were really at the mercy of everybody else. And I, was, I wanted to really throw in the towel. This was about eight or so years ago. This was before I became 100% owner. I wanted to throw the towel in because I didn't feel like it was, I could resolve the feeling of being positive about this business any longer. Like I was just at this place, it was just not a good place. We almost lost our home because everything, mm. as you know, as a business owner, my home is on the, is, is on everything. It's, it's my equity in my home is what gets me my line of credit. It's what helps me with my bonding. It helps me with everything I do in business. And all of those were questionable at this point because we had been screwed so badly by these people. And I thought, what am I going to do? We met with an executive coach that's still that we're using today. And it's been many years. We didn't use him right away, but he sat down with my husband and I, and he asked me, what will it, what will it look like when you're happy? And that reminded me of your what, because he asked me, and I said, well, I need to be, I need to do this, 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 and this. I named all of these things that would make me happy. And he said, so that could take years, right? That could take you many, many months, if not years. And then you still might have things that change that will still not get you to that place. And I realized right then that I had a choice that my what could be something that I could attain right now, which was happiness in the moment. Like I had to take the time to be grateful, to be happy, to be okay with what was going on right now. It couldn't just be about the money. It couldn't just be about me accomplishing certain things. It had to be about so much more than that. And when I got to that place, everything changed. That's amazing. It really is. And I have been, this is so interesting to me that you're bringing this up because I literally was watching um, something about this yesterday and then again, very early this morning when I got up. And so it's, it's so funny to me. And what was that thing for you? In what, other words, like it, it, when you say it can't be about the money, it had what is be, it about? Yeah, I had to find, I had to find the joy in what I was doing. I either had to find the joy or I had to get out. So I had to find it deep in myself that this, number one, it was worth it to be in this family business. Number two, that I had enough confidence in who, confidence in who I was 
and my relationship with my husband to be able to move forward. And I had to experience joy along the way, even when it wasn't joyful. Because as we all know, that this business, this idea of owning your own business, whether it's direct sales, whether it's, you know, a storefront, no matter if you're a restauranteur, no matter what it is you're doing, it takes so much more than the idea of owning the own business. Like going back to that sign, there's nothing more over more overrated than natural childbirth and owning your own business. Now the childbirth hurts like a bitch. <laughs> take the drugs, people. Take the drugs. <laughs> right? Totally. Like this is like, why are you doing this to yourself? And part of it was like, why the hell am I in business for myself when I hate it so much? Right. I could not find the joy. I I had to change. And I there was there was ways I did it, which was writing down things that made me happy. Every day, recognizing and being grateful for certain things. I mean, the basics, right? Like some of the basics. But when you're in the trenches of this shit show that you call your own business, it's so hard for us to get ourselves out of that place. And guess what? No one's going to do it for you. Right. Because when you own your own business, I've also found that people all always like to kind of find reasons that you shouldn't be successful. A thousand percent. Right? There's That's a lot right. of reasons you shouldn't do it. I think uh, most of them have this inability to see past the risk. I think for a lot of people, this isn't, like you said, this isn't the kind of business, this being your own business owner or being your own boss isn't for everybody. Some people can't manage it. Some people can't outweigh the risk in order to, and the fear to, in order to take the, the right steps to get there. And that's okay. Knowing that is perfect. We all need people to work for us, right? Right. You need a paycheck that's consistent. I used to have people ask me all the time, how can you live paycheck to paycheck? And I was like, I don't know how to live any way else. I mean, I just, I've always been able to manage that, right? I've always been able to manage the fact that there's times when it's lean and there's times when it's not. There's been many times I haven't taken paychecks, months at a time. But I had a savings account that gave me the ability to make that possible. So I want to go back really quickly to finding the joy in the journey. I can really relate to, um, you know, the idea that when you're, when you're in the grind and you're starting out and you're running your own business, there is no finish line. And so, um, you just keep going, you just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And it, it can be a constant barrage of, negativity from outside sources and also from within yourself, that negative self-talk that we all do. And it's going to burn you out unless you can change. And I think that that's why either people don't want to become that. I think that's one of the reasons why people don't want to start out as an entrepreneur um, for their own business or network marketing, because it really is very similar, if not the same, right? At least the mindset It doesn't matter what you're selling. Right. You can be selling the best face cream in the world, Rodan and Fields, which I agree with. I I love you. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not trying to make a plug, but I am going to say she's I love not on the, the team, guys. She's not on the team. She's a customer. A, I literally am a customer, but I have told many, many people about it, and people ask me all the time because my skin looks good. What it is, but it could be selling cream. It could be 
building freeways. It doesn't right. matter what we're talking about here. The risk is the same. There's That's failure. Right. And There's the, a potential and the mental, failure. Right. The mental mind fuck is the same as well. Absolutely. And I so, mean, uh, so self-development is a must on a daily basis in absolutely. order to maintain your sanity and a positive mindset so that you can keep going day after day after day. And so... It's, I have felt that what you're talking about, that sort of, um, is it worth it? And right. so it, you know, and that's, that's something that you have to decide for yourself on a daily basis until you make that commitment, until you burn that bridge, until you make the decision to be all in, which I made and which you made seven years ago when you became a hundred percent owner, Right. That's right. Am I getting I, my, my date right? You are. I, I, but and, I, think that, I think it takes a daily commitment to this. And, you know, we have to be, as soon as you decide that you're, you're fine, that we're all good, shit hits the fan. So, like, it, it's one of those constant things that has to be in your vocabulary. It has to be in your mindset. It has to be part of who you are that you make this adjustment every single day and this recommitment to yourself because it's really about you. That's right. It is. And so for me, what I do to keep myself in a positive mindset and frame of mind is I only allow to, I, I try to only allow um, positivity to come into my head. I have stopped watching the news. I can't handle it anymore. It, it's it's instant. It's an instant fucking buzzkill. Like I right. can't handle it. Um, so I have something going all the time, whether it's music, whether it's a podcast, whether I'm listening to training, whether I'm talking with my coach, whatever it is, I'm only having conversations with people who um, are, are, you know, bring me joy. Or who can teach me something? I think that is, I think you have to filter the crap. You know, I yeah. think, I think social media is a blessing and a curse. Absolutely. We look at, we look at each other as to, we, we always see the best of everybody and the worst of ourselves. Let's be real. And so if we can take the best of ourselves, and sometimes it's hard to find what you're best at, Right. Um, I, I shared this, uh, I don't know, I, I've shared this before and I, on my podcast, and I don't know if it was on the podcast that you and I did together, but my coach, um, our, our executive coach, and I, I would, I would ask everybody to find a mentor or, and, or a coach to help you. Because a lot of times when we were talking about what's positive, it's difficult to get through the crap. Those types of people help you find that positive space. They know you and your potential. They believe in you and your potential, even when you can't find it in yourself to do that. So I think it's super important that you find those people in your life that can help you. It might be your mother. It could be your sister. It might be a neighbor. It, 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 look for those people and identify them as your mentor. Literally say those words. This is my mentor, Lisa, and I am grateful for her because those are the important people in your life. But 
my our life coach, our executive coach, I call him my life coach now, but our executive coach had us do a, uh, a uh, can't think of the word. Like a vision board? <laughs> he had us, our life coach had us do an exercise together. The core four were all together. We were in my living room. We were meeting and he asked us to write down all the things that we brought to the business that were good, that I, that were my talents, basically. Your zone of genius. Yep. My zone of genius. Now I should be able to write at least four or five, 10 things down, right? My (laughs) three, my three people, my husband, my two sons were in this, in this exercise together and they were writing away. I could not find one thing that I could write down. Yeah. And as he's asking us to do this, I can feel my heart and my chest just completely getting tight. And I'm mm. feeling this inability to, like, I, I was almost like paralyzed. I And I could feel my throat cl- clenching and I was like trying mm-hmm. to hold back tears. I'm not mm-hmm. writing anything down. I'm feeling very vulnerable. This happened a couple years ago. So this wasn't very long ago. I've been in business 30 years, people. And this was a few <laughs> years ago, okay? And they asked me to write this down. I couldn't do it. I literally couldn't do it. And my boys were angry with me. My one son was in particular was like calling me out because he had been vulnerable many times in these situations. And you know, we were encouraging him to do that. And now he's seen his mother, who is the boss, who's in charge, not be able to give any kind of feedback of herself or for the group. I let him down, to be honest. Um, but I, at the time, I, I was not able to do it. And the coach said, no worries. Don't, we're just going to go on. Your mom, she's got her stuff. And we're going to work this out and it's okay. It's okay. This is a safe spot. They still weren't happy with it. But afterwards, um, he and I met a couple days later and we really got to the root of all of it, which really comes down to everything, which is your childhood, right? Right. <laughs> you, you, you kind <laughs> of keep in yourself the things that you don't feel you're good at. And it went back to my father wanting me to be this person that I was never that I could never be, that it's a lot of unpacking, but it also came down to me believing in myself and making myself vulnerable in front of the people that meant the most to me. I was Mm -hmm. afraid to put it out there to the world, basically to my family, that I was good at this. Because what if they said I wasn't? What if I said, oh, I'm good at changing the culture in my business? I was good at implementing a new mission, vision, and values. What if they said, well, that sucked. Yeah. That wasn't good. Yeah. So it's it's a bit of imposter syndrome and a bit of um, fear of what other people are going to say or what other people right. are going to think. Yeah. It's and, tough. And, it's and really po- tough stuff. The point of that is we can't let the outside dictate what we want to accomplish. And that's why comparing yourself to social media or other people, are, it's, such a, it's such a rabbit hole and it's such a dark place to be because you'll never, there's always going to be someone better. 
skinnier, always richer. I talked about this on I talked about this on your thing. Life is not fair. Life will never be fair. No. Things are never going to be equal. Yeah, you we, you cannot compare your your chapter one to somebody else's chapter twenty. But it's also I want to I want to make sure I don't lose this thought. It's also the story that you're telling yourself. And so part of that reason you froze, and part of the reason you weren't able to come up and write anything on the paper in the moment was the story that you're telling yourself about your, you know, the shit from childhood, you know, all of the things, right? So it's not only the outside stimulation or whatever, it's the inside narrative that we can only change for ourselves. And without a therapist or a life coach or an executive coach or a mentor or massive amounts of self-development, there's no way to recognize the story that you're telling yourself and a way to tell yourself a new story. That's right. I I mean, I I say this all the time and my kids know this, my family knows this, my business knows this, that the one thing that you can count on is that life is about relationships. And I, I say that all the time. And the one relationship, there's three relationships. The one you have with yourself to me is the most important one. If you do not have a relationship that is productive, that is fairly positive, and I say fairly because, listen, you're never going to be your, you're you're human. You're going to have, most of us are going to struggle with self-doubt, with all of the things that are human, right? But if you can have this relationship with yourself that is always evolving, that's always moving towards the direction of positivity, that is always moving you in the direction of good stuff for you, and, and it's mental, emotional, physical, all of those things have to be balanced, right? If you can be moving yourself in that direction, you can do anything you want to do, literally anything you want to do. Um, so you know, life's not fair. You keep going back to that. We keep talking about that. And that is part of the realization that, yeah, I'm never going to be a a singer on a a stage because I (laughs) don't sound good. I can sing in my car and I can do karaoke with my friends, but I'm not going to be a singer. Let's just be realistic about who we are and what we're about. But once you get to that place, you, you find it. I think part of it for me has been my age. I mean, I hate getting older and I fight it all the way as far as physically looking older. I, I want to look my very best. That's why Rodan and Fields, again, helps me do that. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it really does. Yeah. You know, it, it helps no, it me does. feel confident. But yeah. that being said, I, I, I want to do all of these things. I couldn't have done it when I was in my 20s. I didn't have... I didn't have the common sense. I didn't have the, I didn't know who I was and I'm okay. I'm okay with that now. So for people who are younger, who are looking at themselves through this critical lens of self-doubt and all of these things that you have playing against you, which is social media telling you that you're not enough or that you, you know, you are, you are all that even sometimes it goes the opposite way. You got to you got to come in find it in yourself. You cannot get it from the outside. It has to come from yourself and you have to do the work. Yeah, you're right. I want to talk about this project 
that you have that brings you a lot of joy and satisfaction and why you're doing it and what it is. So you are um, an amazing podcast host. Well, thank you. Yeah, your shows are fantastic. Let's talk about your show. It's Two Average Girls. Two Average Girls podcast, yes. Um, The brainchild, you know, a day late and a dollar short would probably be the, the, the correct adage for us at Two Average Girls, only because about three or four years ago, my co-host Ann Owens and I, um, we realized that we had we had the ability to, the gift of gab, right? Like we would go on yeah. walks and we would solve the world's problems. I think most women out there know what I'm talking about. You get with a girlfriend for lunch, um, you, could, you won't have seen her for years, and it's like you fall right back into where you were. And my friend Ann and I, we're like that. Um, we, we can be together and it doesn't matter what it is. We are talking about it and we are figuring it out and it's, it feels super good. We also realized at that time that we have some really amazing friends. We've had really great lives where we've been put in. Um, we've been given the opportunity to, to be around some really successful, some really interesting, some really colorful individuals that just happen to be in our lives. And again, you know, I, I feel blessed and there is no coincidences in life. So we t- started talking about how we have some really great friends. Let's do a podcast. And this was, like I said, like three or four years ago, uh, about a year, about two and a half years ago. Well, during COVID, basically during COVID, um, we decided to do this podcast partly because we weren't sure what was going to happen. The world was turning upside down and we just said, hey, let's let's try this. And I say a day late and a dollar short because that's when everybody decided to be a podcaster, right? <laughs> right. I mean, every actor, totally. every actor that couldn't actually go into studio <laughs> to act now is on a podcast and um, they're doing it. But that actually got us even more motivated to do it because we were listening to people who were just starting up in their house same positive stuff, you know, John Kaczynski and his positivity on Facebook. It was just a lot of good stuff. He's great. And I am a podcaster. I've been a podcaster. I'm a true crime podcaster by, you know, definition. Let's just say I, that's my go-to is true crime. I love murder, um, which tells you a little (laughs) bit about me. (laughs) Um, But so we decided to do this, and it's been a great journey. We It took us a while to get our stride, partly because of COVID, because we couldn't even get equipment when we started ordering it. And there's also a learning curve in all of this. In our We're both in our 50s, and technology is a little bit cumbersome, but we've managed to figure it out. Again, I'm, I'm just going to tell you. People to do okay. things for us that we can't do for ourselves, because you don't have to do it all. You don't. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. And definitely technology is, is an area that I just am completely incompetent in, really. I mean, right. That's me. Honestly, too. I'm lucky that I know how to turn on the computer and like. We won't log even in. tell you about our experience trying to get in together on this podcast right now. So it, <laughs> it, 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 it hurt both of our brains. There was smoke coming out of our little our little heads just to figure it out. But here we are. So we're a genius, you know, um, but, yeah, yeah. but but the two average girls has been joy. Um, the interesting thing about that, and, and it kind of comes back to what we were talking about before, that other people want to maybe change the trajectory or even change your mindset. 
as soon as I told people that um, I was going to do a podcast, and I told them because part of what I've learned in to do is when you have a goal or you want to do something, you tell people about it. Number one, it helps to solidify it in your own mind that it's got to happen, right? Once you make the commitment to telling others and sharing it with others, then it happens. I also wanted to tell others because I wanted to get their feedback and to hear what they had to say, which is also something is a growth thing, right? Where you share things with others and ask them for their input, knowing very well that they might not be, it might not be something you want to hear. And that's okay. It might, I've, I've gotten mature enough now in, in what I do that I don't really care what others think. I really care about what they have to say to make myself better. And that's one of the reasons I shared it. But the interesting part of that was that I didn't get a lot of positive input from people. Part of it is that people didn't understand what a podcast really was. Because um, a lot of people don't listen to podcasts, which I was surprised about. Um, right. But also because it was so un, it was so out of their comfort zone to understand what it was that they couldn't possibly believe that it would be something great or something great right. for me. And I had to just blow that off. And, and literally, just so everybody knows, my family does not listen to my podcast. Like, I have, <laughs> uh, like you know, I thought we, we went in with this with a very low expectations. The idea of doing the podcast was really just to have fun. And it was, we hoped and we didn't know what the goal should be. And so I thought, a hundred listeners for the first year. Well, we got over double that in the first couple of weeks that we went out. Oh, uh, yeah. And so that was a great thing. It was also, oh, wow, this is something, we're onto something, right? So my point of all of this is don't listen to everybody else, especially your family, because <laughs> they're the, <laughs> the most critical of you. I mean, they always ask me, why are you doing it? What kind of money are you making from it? Well, I haven't monetized it yet. We have, we've had few people come to us and talk to us a little bit about that, but we've been slow in doing that. My, my friend and I love being independent. We love having the ability just to do whatever the hell we want. We talk to different people. We had, like I said, we had Lisa Yu on and it was a great conversation. We're just having interesting conversations with interesting people from all walks of life, from all different directions in life that we have a connection to in some way. And um, I think that what we're doing is good. And I, I, I have to say, you know, we've, we've got over 10,000 downloads now. And that's amazing. Congratulations. It, thank yeah. you. We've been on air. We started last June. So we've been on for about eight months. We're learning as we go. Um, sometimes we really nail it. I've, I've been already getting text messages and I haven't listened to your podcast yet. I'm kind of bad about listening to my own podcast. I got to get on that more often, like right at, on Tuesdays, I got to listen, but, um, it's always tag Tuesday and, um, I've got really positive input already from people saying how great your podcast is and that you're a, power, oh, good. That, that you're a powerhouse. Oh. So I'm, I'm assuming that we, we did some good stuff together and I know that our conversation was super good, but, um, I, I just, I love having the outlet of talking to different people. It's given me a perspective of, honestly, I've been more open cause I've run into people from all walks of life. I've known these people, but I didn't really know them until I sat down with them a lot of times. 
So it's, it's enriching my life and this outlet that I have that isn't about money, that isn't about anything but making a connection with each other is for me, it's, it's a win-win. So I feel exactly the same way. I haven't monetized this and I don't know that I will. Um, we should have a conversation offline about it yeah. over lunch with Anne yeah. and explore it together. But um, Anne is your partner on tag, by the way, if yeah. for the listeners who didn't catch that. But yeah. Um, yeah, we have so much to talk about off air. The thing is, is that at this stage in our lives, I'm we're, we're the same age or within a year or so of each other, but um, you have to have the outlet that brings you that joy even if it doesn't make you money, the connection, the positivity. And the truth is, is that somewhere out there, this show or any show that you've produced, right? It's a rock or a stone thrown into a lake, the show in itself. And then the show is going to ripple out to the listeners, whoever hears you. And if one person, if you can change one person's mind about how they feel about themselves or how they approach their business or how they're raising their kids or, or, um, change the direction or impact and influence them in some way, then you're really serving in a way that you're not even aware of when you do the show. So you might be being used in a, for a higher purpose than you're aware of, right? You know, I, we went in this really selfishly. We went in there for our pure entertainment for ourselves. Like we thought we're going to do this for us. We have kept it very real and very just who we want to be. And like you said, though, that the, the what I'm getting out of this is so much more than just what it's for me because I'm getting positive feedback. Again, my family doesn't listen, and they weren't the most positive. In it. my husband, my kids, yes, but the rest of the family is just kind of mind blown. They don't understand why I'm going through all of this, or why do you do that? Oh, that seems weird. What do you talk about? anything that seems weird. Um, you know, they just can't get the concept of such a broad spectrum of what I'm doing. And yet, like you said, I'm getting so much great feedback from people who are all over the world who are listening to this. I mean, we have listeners in Europe and in Africa. I mean, like, I don't know how it's getting out there, but it's getting out there and we are loving it. So, you know, for us, it's, you know, I'm not Joe Rogan. I'm not making a hundred million dollars. So, it must not be that good, but you know, that's kind of some of the things I've heard from people when we're, when we're talking about podcasting. Oh, are you like Joe Rogan? Well, exactly like Joe Rogan, except I don't have very many listeners and I don't make any money. <laughs> so I'm exactly like that. <laughs> that's really, really funny. Well, for those people who say that, just refer them back to the Seinfeld episode. It's a show about nothing. It's a remember? show about, yes, I do. I <laughs> and do. the pilot, remember the pilot? Like, well, we're going to pitch this show and and we're going to talk. We don't know what we're going to talk about, but it's just about nothing. The show's about nothing. Well, their podcast is about nothing, but you know what? People want to talk about real stuff. So anyway, I, yeah. I am so grateful to have had you to talk with you, to be on your show, um, to be connected with you. And I love getting to know you on such a deeper level. Um, every time we talk, it's, it, it makes the human experience that much better to really understand, um, your friends, to know where they're coming from, to know what brings them joy, to know what their fears are and, um, to be able to support each other in so many different ways. 
Um, and monetary is the last of it, right? Don't right. you think? I totally, yeah. I, I mean, I think again, I don't think anything's by coincidence. I have, you know, enjoyed our relationship on a level of me buying product from you and you selling it to me and then getting to that next level of understanding and knowing each other. I think, again, that's really what life's about. None of the other stuff matters. It's about the relationships you make. And so I appreciate this relationship and I am grateful to be honest. So how can people, I am as well. I really am as well. So how can people find your show? What, what platforms is it on? We're on all the platforms. We're on Google. We're on um, Apple. We are on Spotify. You can look us up on Instagram, Two Average Girls Podcasts. Um, You can get on to any of those, uh, you know, and please go on and subscribe um, and take a listen. You know, we're just two friends having other friends in and talking to them about a little bit of everything. So if yeah, you like it's, it- it's really funny. You guys are really, really funny. I love listening to you. And when you download the show, you guys, make sure you leave a, a review, a five-star review. It's really, really helpful. And the feedback is really important for them um, to know what they're doing well and what kinds of things you want to hear and what you're looking for and what can bring you um, some value, right? Because yeah. we're here to bring value as well. So I'm so glad you came on. I'm so glad that you stuck with your business. I know that your revenue has just gone up, 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 and that's got to be so gratifying. Um, I definitely want to invite you back and I want to have Anne on as well, because I think that the two of you together would be a lot of fun. Um, So I'm sure she'll listen to this and I'm sure she'll say yes. And I know that she's enjoying her active hydration (laughs) serum as well. Absolutely. (laughs) You can talk about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. She wanted to be on here as it was today, but she's not in town. So next time she's in town, let's get all together and just have some, let's just, what do you say? Yenta? What do you, what do you call let's it? Let's yenta it up. I called yeah. it yenting it up. Yeah, let's yenta it up. Let's just We're going to yenta it up. For more information on the Direct AF Sales book or custom dice course or workbook, go on over to directafsales.com. There's going to be a discount code for all the listeners there. It's code directaf20 and grab yours today. Thanks for listening to today's show. Please leave me a review. Make sure you subscribe and even better, share it with a friend so that we can share our message and our content and help as many people as we can. Thanks guys.